Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I've got a very important message uh, that I'd love to uh, teach this morning. So I hope you've got your Bibles and uh, jot. I'm going to move along very quickly. Uh, and this is about uh, our series of the promised living in the promised land. And this talks about, um, I guess the promised land is a real story in the Old Testament. It's Canaan. And it's God's people being released from Egypt. And uh, God has this promised land for their best life. And they need to possess it. They need to go in and they need to conquer the land. But in the land, between them and this great land is Jericho. And Jericho is a highly fortified city. And it ain't going to budge. But who knows, supernaturally, God turned up. Who's watching the Bible series? Uh, We saw that, didn't we, just last Tuesday? And um, between them and the promised land was Jericho, a highly highly fortified city that literally came down prophetically, just marching around it for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around it uh, seven times, and then the trumpet blast and the walls, the the archaeologists believe that the walls were literally pushed down into the ground. And um, phenomenal story. But in this land, still at the end of that, is several giants, several giants that have this disposition of spirit that manifests through them, through their, through, through their lives. And the names of these giants are in, uh, let's do this, Joshua uh, 3.9. Let's go there. And... Joshua 3.9 says, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. My message is called Promised Land Living, Taming the Tongue, the Amorites. I'll make sense of that in a moment. Joshua 3.9 says, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Listen to the words of the Lord your God. Isn't that funny that when they ended up in the Canaan, when they end up in Canaan, the Promised Land, the Lord gave them the the word, the law, which they needed to follow to secure all the promises, need to follow the word of God. 10, this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. 11, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. That means the presence of the Lord will go before you. Last week, we talked about um, the Hittite spirit, or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Hittite spirit, which is another giant in the land that needs to come down. And so that was, that Hittite spirit is represented uh, by the spirit of fear that is reigning rampant on the planet at the moment. And so we talked about the scripture where it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, 
but a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. Maybe that's why that guy launched his dual cab uh, Ford Ranger off that, you know, he's just believing that I'm not scared, I'm going to do it. And so we need to understand this, uh, this, the premise of these several giants and their dispositions that are still at large today. We don't have giants now on the planet as such, but we still have these spirits that are running rampant through Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now these giants, because they were didn't serve God, no God, they were given over to spirits. Do you understand what I'm saying? And those spirits are still reigning over our cities and our world. And people can get caught up in them. And so the Hittite spirit was a spirit of fear. I want to talk about the Amorite spirit. And this will help us a bunch. The name Amorite means to say or to speak. It's actually derived from a Hebrew word, uh, to speak, speak against, or boast about self. Everyone here has been bothered by someone's speak, their speech, whether it's been some sort of uh, ugly situation of, you know, whatever. Um, when it's, you know, ugly with that spirit that comes against you with accusation maybe or, or criticism, uh, it, it can, it's, it's more than sometimes just lame words. And that's probably what I'm getting at here. So the divine origin of speech, I'd love to go back and share some stuff about the whole, I think, the, um, the privilege to be able to speak. And I need to go back at the start of the Bible. So can I do that? Is that cool? So the faculty of your speech is of divine origin. We know that. In fact, the first information we get about God is that He speaks. Not that He's holy or He's a just God. It's that God speaks. And you see in the third verse of the Bible, it begins with, Then God said, and it keeps saying that about creation, and God spoke, and there was light, and God spoke, and He just keeps saying that several times, and we have creation. Uh, the, the oceans, the heavens, the animals, and even man himself were direct outcomes of God's spoken word. And these words were faith-filled. They had a powerful, forceful uh, um, engagement with the world. In fact, things would just turn up. And that's why I want to speak about our words as Christians and what our words can do even now, that God privileged us with the faculty of speech to be able to speak things into existence. Pat, be healed. A lot of people don't understand the power of their speech, and it's really um, 101 Christianity, that we have power to invoke blessings, that we have power to invoke good things. That's what prayer is about. 
prayer for me is about declaring and decreeing more than anything for me. That's how this church is here. This church is here because we sat up on that lookout several years and looked down on this property of 11 acres and said, that's ours. We declare it. It's ours in Jesus' name. We prophesied this church and this land, ours in Jesus' name. And you, we need to, as Christians, understand how powerful, just like when God said, let there be light. You can say a whole bunch of great stuff if you so choose. We need to understand that. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So words and the faculty of speech is the raw materials that God used to create the earth and, in fact, us. Luke one thirty seven says, For nothing is impossible with God. The Amplified brings out a dynamic concept. Luke one thirty seven. the Amplified says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Did you get that? So when God says in Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, there was light. When God speaks in Luke one thirty seven, we could say it like this. Every word of God contains in it the power of fulfillment. Now, I need to explain something. Romans 4.17 says, God says, I'm, I'm just building a case here out of the Old Testament. I want to get into the New Testament. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. That's God. He can create things out of things that are dead as though that not even there and he makes it alive and living. God shares this faculty of speech with us and, and it allows us to launch things, in, in fact, into existence. We can still do this. Even though we're fallen creatures, we still have this faculty of speech and this power to be able to do this. Man's creative speech. Let's check this out. Um, the very first requirement that God made of Adam in the garden was that he should subdue the earth and rule over it. How is that achieved? It wasn't by toil or the sweat of his brow because that happened after the fall. It was, it was by the words that he would speak. He named the animals. I don't know if you heard that Dylan song. Man gave name to all the animals. In the beginning, long time ago, man gave name. Man, in fact, was supposed to rule and exercise in the Garden of Eden through his words, through the power of his words, by the spoken words. He named the animals in Genesis 2.19. He named Eve in Genesis 2.23. But then Satan turned up, and he used speech too. And the Bible says, the serpent spoke to Eve. Genesis 3.17 says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice in your wife, 
See, words are powerful, voice is powerful. But even in the state of man's fallen state, there still remains a powerful medium in our ability to produce good or bad through our voice. We see that in Babel, where they're building a tower. Wicked men trying to build a tower. And they had one language. Genesis eleven six 6 says, Then the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. This is how powerful it is when you get unity. If we're able to get unity in this church and say, Jesus, we want revival. We want souls. If we all did that together, that's powerful. This is what happened for the people that were wicked in this time. They all came together with one language and they built a Tower of Babel that is now destroyed but actually can be seen by Google Earth, the remnants of it. They built it so high, even after it's destroyed, you can actually see the remnants of, of Babel. The Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Imagine us getting that one language happening. David, the Old Testament king, a man after God's own heart, knew well the creative power of speech. He prayed, Psalm 141, verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And the psalmist, he says uh, in Psalm 3, 1 to 4, he talks about, let's go to verse 4 for the sake of time. I was crying to the Lord with my voice. And he answered me from his holy mountain. And the psalmist talks about using the voice for repentance, for praise, and for triumph. Our voice is so instrumental in bringing blessings or cursing. Solomon knew the power of the voice. He wrote Proverbs twelve fourteen. He says, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says, pleasant words are a honey Come, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Wow. So powerful is our speech that Solomon declared, Proverbs 18, 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's try another version, the New American Standard Version. Uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Daniel has an amazing uh, testimony, Daniel 10, 12. He talks about the power of speech. Uh, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Response to what? Response to the words. C3 Tugra. I am coming in response to your words, to your worship. I'm coming in response to your statements of faith, your declaration of faith. He's coming. He hears your heart cry. Nehemiah understood the importance of speech. When the children of Israel began to lose their ability to speak their own language through intermarriage with people of other nations, Nehemiah took de decisive action. He knew the necessity of virtuous speech. And you can see that in Nehemiah 13, 23 to 24, where he says, speak the language of Judah. They were speaking a foreign language. He said, no, you need to speak our language, the language of Judah. Jesus obviously emphasized the importance 
of words when he said Matthew 12, 36, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. By your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Paul says in writing the Ephesians church, he says in uh, chapter 4, 29, Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And of course, unregenerate people, people that are not saved, so to speak, um, it can go really awry. The enemy can use them, but even can use us as Christians. James writes about this. James 3.6 says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. And it itself, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. So we're probably talking about this spirit, the, the Amorite spirit. Laying hold of people's speak their speech, and using it to bring chaos. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to put it off. So when we get saved, one of the key things for me, and I think one of the first lessons we need to learn in being born again is learning to manage our mouth, manage our speech. Some people, I, I, I in fact believe my mother put herself in an early grave by just constantly, she was a, a bit of a hypochondriac and she was constantly saying she had things wrong with her. Constantly just driving herself into the ground. I've got this wrong, I've got that wrong, oh no, yeah, wow. Even before I was even a Christian, I knew that can't be good confessing the negative over your mouth, over your life all the time. That cannot be good. You're driving yourself into the ground. Words are powerful. You're cursing yourself. So for me, a minister really is someone that can bridle their tongue, manage their mouth, and can confess and reframe just about everything and confess the positive over every situation that they meet. Yes, that's bad news, but, and you confess the positive. That's essentially what a minister is. Who's enjoying this? The Amorite spirit could be affecting people's speech, even Christians. Yes, it could. So we need to harness the voice and use it for good. And of course, the New Testament, I'm doing good here. The New Testament helps us understand that 2 Corinthians 5, 17, because I want to go line by line for the sake of the podcast. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new cre creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You can do this. If you're saved, you can manage your mouth and you can use it as an incredible tool to bring good and blessings to everything you so wish. So we need to talk about the location of faith. Where is faith? Because faith is what you're supposed to be speaking. The key to the Christian life is faith. In Mark 11, 23 to 24, there's a, a scripture there about Jesus cursing the fig tree. I don't know why he cursed the fig tree. 
Maybe it represented Israel and Israel being unfruitful, but he did. He walked past a fig tree. It wasn't producing fruit and he cursed it. But after that, Mark 11.23 tells us of this. He tells us, Jesus, that was amazing. You, you just spoke to that fig tree and, and it's withered and died. And he says, well, get this. He says this in 23, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw, so there's the first one, says, I'll back it up. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And this is a massive statement. This is like huge. You mean if we just say, if we just speak, mountains will be removed? What are you saying, Jesus? I'm saying that fig tree that I cursed because it wasn't producing fruit, I'm saying this, that if you speak to any situation, any obstacle, any circumstance, any curse, any disease, any problem, any dysfunction in life, if you speak to it, it will move. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, 24, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Our words and the words we speak by faith are of utmost importance. Amen. I love people who have an optimism, glass half full. You tell them something, and it's like, wow. And they give you even the further upside of that. Not, oh, well, you, you know, jumping a year to cross, you know, that was crazy, man. But there's faith in that. There's a faith in not, not just saying, oh, he's ruined his, what a silly thing. He could have injured himself. For, for me, there's, there's, a way to, there's a way to be a little bit lighter and a little bit more cheery and a little, little bit more faith-filled in our response to anyone's suggestions. You got a bad haircut, but hey, man, we can see your eyes better. <laughs> Jesus responded to faith. He saw their faith and he responded, Matthew 9, 2. Faith is located in two places. Let me help you with this. Romans 10, verse 8 to 10, I need to move along. Romans 10, 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So where is faith? Faith is in the heart and faith is in the mouth. Faith is in our mouths and it's in our heart. If you don't confess the positive, the faith statement by your mouth, you're not letting your heart live by faith. If you just keep faith in your heart and not confess, you just got faith laying dormant in your heart. But you know what? It can work the other way. Even when you don't have faith in your heart, you can say, I'm just going to go for this. I'm going to take that jump. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to leap of faith. Be healed. And my heart's going, oh my God, can it happen? But you know what happens? 
This is what happens. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So God's given us the gift of faith, it's there, but it needs to be exercised, it needs to be nurtured. You got the faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So when you hear the word, your faith is being nurtured in your heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So faith is located in the mouth, for with it we confess that which is in our hearts. Our hearts, our heart, our lips must be employed to demonstrate what is in our hearts. However, our lips can also be employed to implant faith within the heart. When our words and heart agree, that's when stuff begins to happen. Mark eleven twenty three. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. It's so important to manage this faculty of speech that God has privileged us with. So I want to I quote a couple of um, statements with you. And I want to talk about how to mature, even uh, allow your emotions even to mature by declaring the spoken word. So if you're being troubled or you're vacillating or you're weak on any such area of these, you can improve that by confessing these scriptures. The first one would be strength. If you've got a, a problem with strength, emotional strength, Let's confess uh, Philippians 4.13. I'm nearly done. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So if you're thinking, man, I'm not good for that. I can't do that. Man, how am I going to do that? Well, confess faith from your mouth, which will avalanche into your heart. As you confess it, avalanche into your heart. Your heart comes alive. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. What about peace? You're struggling with the area of peace in your life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. What if you're struggling with freedom? Struggling with freedom. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is thou no condemnation. This is in the Amplified Version, by the way. Therefore there is now no condemnation. No adjudging guilty of wrong. For those who are in Christ Jesus who live and walk, not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit, you're free. What about provision? You're struggling with provision. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What about courage? You need some courage. I would be quoting this, 1 John 4.4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Yongi Cho, a book that really affected us when we first got saved and we came into the life of the church in the mid-80s, the, the book Fourth Dimension was running rampant across the planet because even by then, Yongi Cho had the world's biggest church. And he had understood by revelation what it meant to confess 
the positive. In fact, he talked about writing things down. So Phil Pringle, Pastor Phil Pringle, you've heard his story sitting in a coffee shop in the early 80s. He's got a heart for a big church, and he writes down on the paper, He, because he's a bit of an artist, he writes on a napkin, he draws and illustrates to Chris, who's sitting across the road uh, from the table to, with him, he says, well, I'm just believing that God sent me to Sydney to start a church. And you know what? I see a building like this. And he literally scribbles it down, writes this diagram of a building down that now to this day looks very much like the building they're in now, a $40 million complex down at Oxford Falls. Now, Julie and I hardly knew anything about things of faith or confessing faith or whatever. But within the first year, Julie had written down the house that she wanted. Well, lo and behold, she wrote, you drew it. Do you want to, you drew it? Do you want to tell the story? She drew it. I didn't know. I didn't care for it. I didn't want to know about it. Uh, me, I'm practical. I need, give me a hammer and nail. I'll build a house. Julie's writing it down. I said, what's that, what? what's that going to do? drawing it got to get the story right she's drawing it but you know what the house that we found the house that we bought is very much when you open it up and we did open it up last week rummaging through the photo albums and there is our house the house that we bought very much the descriptive windows the picket fence all that and that was about believing by faith and putting faith not to words, but to drawings and saying, that's what I want, Lord. That's what I'm believing for, Lord. And it works. So Yongi Cho's story is like this. Dr. Yongi Cho, done in his book, Fourth Dimension, he says, before you can be changed, you must change your language. If you do not change your language, you cannot change yourself. If you want to see your children change, you must first teach them to use the proper language. If you want to see rebellious, irresponsible youth change into responsible adults, you must teach them this new language. Where do we get the language from? We get it from the Bible. The Bible gives us the best language of faith you'll ever, ever, ever want. So with that, um, again, I love this. Abraham, father of nations. He's not, he's not even, hasn't even got any children. He's 99 years of age. Sarah's 90 but God renames him Abraham. Abraham means father of nations. So when Sarah's calling him to dinner, Abraham, father of nations, ha hello, I haven't even got any children. But it was a prophetic thing. Sarah was declaring with creative power that Abraham, you will be Abraham. You will be the father of nations. Amazingly, supernaturally, Abraham had 12 sons, Isaac, ended up being 12 fathers from Isaac that were the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes. What about Simon? Simon meant Peter in the Bible, Simon, but Simon was meant, the word meant swaying reed. He was given over to just being double-minded maybe. And, and Jesus says to him, you are Peter. You're the rock. You're Peter prophetically I'm declaring over you by words by faith that you are Peter the rock wow let's all stand God bless you father in heaven we declare this morning that father you've given us the faculty of speech
to declare the decree. Good things. You said, Lord God, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Father, help us learn the language of faith. Help us learn to architecturally redesign our life with the words of faith. Lord, forgive us right now that we've used our words to damage, to hurt, to put down, to be critical. We've got to be careful of this in Australia. We have this tendency to be, um, to, you know, to mock each other a little bit. And that, you know, that, a little bit that, little of that you can get away with. But we've got to be careful, you know. Uh, I, come, I, I come from England, so they use dry humor there, which can go awry too which can be negative. But Australia has this propensity, tall poppy syndrome. We can use our words to cut people down. We certainly don't want to do that as Christians. We want to build people up. We want to encourage people. Father in heaven, we want to use the faculty of speech that you have given us. The first thing that we knew about you, God, was that you spoke. You didn't give the ability to speak to the animals and you gave it to people. We're made in your image. This divine attribute you gave to us to be able to speak on your behalf, to be able to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, to, to, to change circumstances, to change our own life by the power of speech. So, Father, right now, with a humble heart, we come before you. Forgive us, Lord, that if we've been misusing this faculty of speech. Help me from this moment on, Lord, to confess the positive, to declare by faith the goodness of the Lord in my life, my family, my wife, my children, my church. Thank you for the gift to declare your word, that your word will come to pass. As Candace said in the giving message, your word will not return void. And I just encourage everyone in this house, it's my heart's desire to see everyone confessing the word, reading the word, understanding the language of faith. If you want to know how to understand the language of faith, pick up your Bible and just read it, and it will give you a whole different sway, a whole different disposition to talk. You will be able to reframe things. When people say, hey, I'm sick, I'm needy, I'm dead, I'm, you know, hey, God can meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, friend. So Jesus right now, Help me, Lord God, not be just negative with my mouth, my words. Holy Spirit, we want to be encouraged to pray, to declare, to speak well of people, to encourage people, to praise you, to worship you. Help me understand, Lord, you've given me the faculty of speech to worship you, to praise you, to love you, to lift you on high. Help me speak your name. Help me declare your name. Help me witness your name. And I, I, I know this, great grace will come upon you. Great grace will come upon your life as you start confessing the word over people. God will back that word up and the, 
stuff will move. People will be healed, blessed. Troubles will disappear. Depression will flee. Stuff will, you know, believe it, that what we, you might just grab one scripture and visit your friend who's, who's desperate for a touch of God. You just take that one scripture and don't underestimate what God can do with that one scripture. Just one word. And you come to them and say, hey, you know what? I don't have much to, to say or, or do now, but I've got one scripture for you. The Lord's given me one word, one powerful, supernatural word that can bring life to you. The word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts down deep between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it can divide the bad things from the good things. And it can dispel sickness and disease. It can annihilate disease and problems and viruses and just by one word your word you born again christian just by one word you can turn a life around you can turn this church around just by your confession of your mouth you can bring so much more into your life into your family your finances you can prosper why don't you why don't you pray that i will prosper I am coming out of the land of lack and I'm coming into the land of plenty. I am blessed. I'm God's child. I'm the king's kid and I deserve to be blessed with health. I deserve to be blessed with a smile. I deserve to be blessed with a good job. I deserve to be blessed, socially blessed. I deserve good friends. I deserve this. Pray it, believe it, speak it, declare it. Turn your life around. Change your life for good. Declare it, decree it, believe it, speak it. Even if you'd speak to a mountain, the Word of God says that mountain must be removed. Jesus, right now, we declare over each other, we shall be blessed. Your Spirit will bless us. Your presence will never leave us. Holy Spirit, we confess you over our life. Fill us, revive us, bless us, anoint us. Holy Spirit, come now, minister to us. Maybe you're in the house, just close your eyes right for, for a moment here. Just, just close your eyes. Maybe you, you need a prayer. The Bible says faith comes from your heart and it's spoken by your words. The Bible says you can be saved by the confession of your words. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he lives at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says you can be saved. You can become a Christian. You can be bound for heaven if you confess that you got to confess it that's the ups, that's the that's the thing you got to you got to confess acknowledge you got to speak it that Jesus your lord of my life if you can do that if you want to do that right now now in this moment of prayer i would love to pray for you on the count of 3 i'll just ask you to lift your hand i'd love to pray for you if you want to start your journey with god god's smiling on you not joining a church you're not becoming religious you're just saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the Lord of life. You're the giver of life. You created all life. Jesus, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to deal with all my sin. I want to deal with all my problems. I want you to deal with all my problems. I want you to supernaturally avail yourself to me and open doors that 
that no man can open and uh, I want you to provide for me and bless me all the days of my life. If that's, if that's what you want, if, that, if, that's, if that's the life that you want, if you want Jesus to be the lover of your soul, if you want him to be the light in your dark world, if you want that, I just pray for you right now that you would say yes to him, that you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I've got a short prayer. If you want that prayer, just put up your hand on the count of three, one, two. If this is your friend beside you, in front of you, behind you, just give him a little nudge and say, this is, might be for you right now. This is a short prayer of salvation. It happens in every church all over the world. It's a prayer of salvation. If you want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life, and if you want to understand his voice and simply begin to walk in his presence all the days of your life, maybe your turn is right now. Maybe your time is right now. Your heart's beating. You feel the love of God. You feel the spirit in this house. But you've got to say it. You've got to say, Jesus is Lord. And I've got that short prayer for you if you want that prayer. On the count of three, one, from the front to the back, to this side, to this side, two, and three. Just lift your hand. I've got a prayer for you. If that's you, second row, third row, fourth row, to the sides. If that's you, just be bold, be brave, be courageous. Come on, you can do it. You don't have to jump over a, a jump with a four-wheel vehicle, but you certainly need to say yes to Jesus if you want that right now. If that's you right now, just lift your hand. Let me see that hand. Father in heaven, thank you, Jesus. There's an invitation going out. Ten seconds more. Holy Father. Yes, Father. Let's say this prayer together. Father in heaven, I believe in you. I trust in you. Your son, Jesus. I believe he walked the earth. Performed miracles. Died on the cross for me. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart. Set me free, Lord, to live in freedom, to live in joy, peace, and your righteousness. Lead me on, Lord, to be a voice of good, changing lives, changing my own life. Let me be a voice to pray. Let me be a voice to worship, to praise you, and to declare your goodness. And we might just do a little bit of that right now if we can. Let's just worship Lord. enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.